Hello and welcome to the Indie Dev Life Podcast, a show about the ins and outs of independent software development. My name is Brian and I am an independent developer. So it's been a while since uh, the last episode. I think the last episode was in January. Uh, and I said I was going to do a bunch more immediately following that. And that did not happen. So for now, we're back with a new topic. So last week, I published a blog post called Why All My Servers Have an 8 Gigabyte Empty File on Them. And the post ended up doing really well on Hacker News. It was number one for almost two days. It was the start of a very interesting conversation on Hacker News and on Reddit and a bunch of other places. And I just want to say thank you to everyone in the community for uh, reading my post, for checking it out, for participating in the comments. It was a really interesting discussion. I learned a lot, and uh, I hope everybody else learned uh, a cheap little hack to give themselves some breathing room in between when their servers run out of disk space. But that blog post kind of got me thinking a little bit about what are the other things that I do or that I've learned over time as a person who writes and hosts and manages their own software. And so I started thinking about other things that I do and other things that I've, you know, learned over time and what are the other, like, little techniques that I use. And I kept coming back to one specific topic. As listeners may know, I run my own servers on Linode for all of my software projects. And on those servers, I use Docker to kind of manage the software that changes a lot, like the app servers, uh, versions of my database, my task brokers and, and caching layers and stuff like that. I use Docker for a lot of that stuff. Uh, I've been using Docker for a long time, and it really does make it easy to make uh, all of my app servers for all of my software uh, is Dockerized. So rolling out an update is simply, you know, Docker up a new container. And then I have a bunch of wrapper scripts that automate a lot of the process for me, so I can just basically say, you know, dot slash deploy. And in a zero downtime way, it will build the new containers, uh, switch out the old ones with the new ones, and shut down the old ones. I used to use Docker for a lot more than I use it now. Even though I continue to use Docker for every software project that I, I roll out that has servers, the role that Docker plays in my stack has gotten smaller over time. When it first came out and when I had first started using it many years ago, I used Docker for almost every service that was running on my servers that I could put in a container. I ran my web servers, app servers, database servers, everything inside of Docker because that was the way that the future was supposed to be at the time, or at least how I you know, pictured the future was supposed to be. And over time, I found that while Docker certainly has a really interesting place in the software stack, for me, it is not the catch-all solution I thought it was. And today, like I said, I run it in far more nuanced places and far more, or far fewer places in my stack. So I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit and why I run things the way that I do. One of the biggest distinctions between older environments that I've set up and, and new software projects like, like 9.9's pine.blog and d20.photos is that I no longer run Nginx inside of Docker. Years ago, I used to use a series of Docker containers that would not only run Nginx, but also detect if other Nginx containers were running and reverse proxy to them. And it was kind of a, a, a way to get an easy reverse proxy uh, set up and running. Like you might have, for example, two app 
containers. And then you can, if they're both running Nginx inside of them or Gunicorn or something like that, then this container would detect that and start proxying to them. And it was really cool, uh, but it had a number of downsides. That setup worked for a while, but it always had a bunch of problems when it came to upgrading any part of them, like either the backend Nginx containers or the backend web apps or the reverse proxy itself. There were a number of like annoyances with that that never quite sat well with me, and it caused it to be really fidgety and, and fragile. And so I moved over to you know, setting up reverse proxies myself and then running Nginx inside of containers to serve things. And now I pretty much only run Nginx on the host. So the host machine will know how to proxy to uh, my app containers. And the app containers are still in Docker, but Nginx isn't. And there's a bunch of reasons for this. One, it makes configuring Nginx a lot easier. And second, a lot of the tools that are out there, like CertBot for Let's Encrypt, or tools uh, that kind of deal with Nginx or monitor Nginx or tweak it or upgrade it or or anything else, and a lot of security software, those pieces of software have an idea of what Nginx on a host should look like, what an installation of Nginx looks like and how they can affect it. And if you're not running Nginx on the host, if you're running it inside Docker, a whole suite of tools become basically unavailable to you because those tools were never built with that idea in mind that the Nginx would be running inside of anything. Uh, Those tools kind of expect it to be in a certain place on the host machine. And so I've slowly migrated out services like that onto just the host machine. And then Docker provides a bunch of ways where you can internally map, you know, you can expose container ports to internal facing software, but not to like, you know, the, the wide open web. And so I do that. I, I expose my containers uh, internally on the machine, and then I use uh, Nginx to accept requests from the web and proxy them to local services. And that has worked really, really well. On a similar note, I have waffled back and forth for a long time on whether or not I will continue to run Postgres, my database of choice, in Docker. Currently, do uh, on all of my projects. I still run Postgres inside of a Docker container. It, it talks to a mounted volume that's somewhere on the host machine. But just like with Nginx, there are certain things that really prefer Postgres to be running on the machine they are running on. And I found it to be kind of annoying to deal with those kind of processes. Backup and, and restore is pretty easy. So that's thankfully not a, a problem that you have to do much work around. Uh, but there are just other pieces of software that really can help you out a lot, like things like uh, intrusion detection monitoring or other things like that, that would really prefer to watch the services themselves. And going through Docker is kind of opaque. The one thing that's always stopped me from changing Postgres from being hosted in Docker to actually installed on the host machine is that upgrading Postgres without Docker is kind of a pain, and upgrading it with Docker is incredibly easy. You basically just shut down, for point releases, for minor releases, you can basically just shut down the old container and start up a new one with a different version of Postgres, and it just works. For major versions, uh, you do have to do a PG upgrade, or you can simply do a restore if you have backups, which you should, uh, which is what I usually do. I just end up 
taking the database down for a little bit and doing a, a restore back into it. And doing that process, granted, you can do the same backup restore process to any version of Postgres, but having it in Docker has made it really easy to kind of guarantee that none of the cruft of the old release is still on the machine or, you know, guarantee that the environment is the way I expect it to be. And it's really nice to be able to do that. I've really enjoyed having Postgres not installed on the host in that way, but I'm still ending up fighting occasionally these pieces of software that do kind of want it to be there. The other major downside to using Docker for a lot of things is that Docker by itself, without Docker Swarm and without all the other advanced features that I have never used, it doesn't really play nice with the Linux firewall tools that exist, um, especially not the, the firewall D, the CentOS one, which is the one I use most of the time. Uh, it does not play nice with those, and I have had innumerable troubles trying to get Docker to obey any semblance of firewall rules. And that has been, quite frankly, very annoying uh, over time. I know a lot of these problems are solved if you use like Docker Swarm and stuff like that, but that has always been a technology that I've never really wanted to dive too much into. I've always just liked Docker for its ability to quickly boot up an isolated environment, and I don't really want to have to dive into going whole hog on Docker for the entire stack. Also, frankly, it's just not a tool chain that I really need. Uh, I'm not running giant swarms and dynamic, you know, numbers of servers that can boot up and boot down, you know, at, at any at a moment's notice. Everything's pretty static. It's just nice to be able to say, you know, Docker up and have the entire environment just kind of work out. For most of other supporting services, I do run those in Docker. What's really nice about that is things like uh, memcache instances or Redis instances can kind of come up and come down really quickly. And since, you know, they're mostly already in memory anyway. It's it's really nice to be able to just take them down, take them back up, or uh, you know move them over um, without having to deal with stuff on the host machine. And Docker can do all kinds of stuff like uh, Supervisor D can do, where it can reboot stopped containers or broken things or all kinds of things like that. It makes it really easy to kind of keep your software up and running. The overall mantra I've pretty much adopted with this kind of stuff is if the software needs to be exposed to the wider world, uh, I prefer it to be on the host. Uh, like Nginx, for example, is talking to the, the the web at large. And it's nice to have that on the host because then I can control what goes in and goes out with the firewall uh, tools that already exist. And if there's any software that needs to communicate with it uh, you know, on the host machine, like CertBot or something else, then I install it on the host. But for things that are that change frequently, like my source code, or things that... Uh, are completely internal. Like, for example, my app servers all run a uh, an instance of memcache just to make sure that I can cache expensive queries. And those are all uh, in Docker as well because they don't talk to anything. I don't want them to talk to anything but the container that needs to talk to them. I don't want to have uh, an open port to my memcache servers, which is a very common exploit. And I don't want to run any risk of that. You know, having everything in Docker kind of isolates things. It makes it so that only the things you expressly whitelist can talk to it, which is really nice. And it gives me a lot of peace of mind if I have, you know, uh, an internal service that I need to run or something that changes very frequently. But anything that, that needs to be exposed, uh, I, I try not to keep that in Docker anymore just because it, it can often be a real pain in the butt. I do run uh, RabbitMQ as my queuing server for basically everything. Um, anything that has a back-end queue or, a, or a, you know, an asynchronous queue. 
And that is currently running in Docker, although I'm probably going to stop doing that. Um, I found that uh, RabbitMQ doesn't really like to be in a container. Um, obviously, it works perfectly fine. It's worked perfectly fine for me for years. But uh, there are just certain things about, you know, upgrading them or kicking them over when, you know, when problems happen that it's not as smooth of a process as my source code upgrades or, or memcache or something like that. And so I'm probably going to move that off of Docker into the actual host. But with that kind of setup, I've really found that you get to maximize all of the benefits of Docker uh, for smaller projects, like, you know, being able to go up and down uh, being uh, really easily, being able to kind of guarantee the state of your your app server, you know, like, you know, the dependencies uh, are installed are the ones you have. There's no like la- there's no holdover from a previous version. Uh, you know the install is fresh when you create a new container. All that kind of good stuff that that really helps um, build up reliability in your your deployments. Uh, I really like Docker for using it or for those kinds of things. But for anything that's more of like static infrastructure, like you know nginx or uh, fail to ban. Obviously, fail to ban can't be in a in a container, but um, those kind of like infrastructure pieces, uh, I found those to be much more helpful just installed on the actual host machine. And also, as I said before, anything that doesn't need to talk to uh, other things uh, uh, on other machines or other networks, uh, those, anything that can be kept pretty much internal to the machine, I definitely keep in Docker because it, it kind of guarantees that isolation. I hope this little dive into talking about how to or how my evolution with Docker has changed over time and how I currently think about using Docker in my my software. I hope that's helped uh, anyone out there who's looking to get into Docker. I do recommend playing with it. Uh, it's really, really useful on server. Like I said, it, it guarantees a, a, a clean install almost every, like every time you're, you're going to do a deploy, which is really nice. Just for completion's sake, I'll also mention that I have used Docker many, many times in development, but I tend to avoid that now. I do still run Docker for supporting services. So, for example, on my Mac, I do not have my Django apps, my Python code, or anything I'm currently editing in Docker. But if I'm testing the full suite and I need a like Redis instance or I need to connect to memcache to test something, I run those in Docker. I found that developing in Docker, when you're changing the source code that the container itself is running, it requires far more overhead uh, for your computer. And frankly, I've just found that constantly running like your front-end build process or your back-end uh, you know, hot reload in Docker on, a compu- on your Word dev machine is just a recipe for having no greater reliability with more broken tools and your fan constantly spinning. And when I'm developing, I I like to play music at a low volume, and I have found that whenever I'm using Docker to host the services I'm actively working on, uh, I can't hear the music at all. Instead, I just hear a fan going as loud as it possibly can be. And that's no fun for anyone. So I no longer use Docker for those kinds of things, uh, like for the web apps or anything else that I'm actually working on. Uh, I run those on my laptop directly. And then supporting services I, I run in Docker. It's almost like the reverse of my servers. It's Docker is really good for booting up clean environments, um, but not actively for like working in them. That's not a perfect comparison, but it's, it's similar in spirit. I know a lot of uh, companies, and I've worked on, on projects like this before, I know a lot of companies will run everything in Docker or 
write their source code, you know, in a way that gets mounted into Docker and then hot reloaded. And I've just found that it, it produces no better quality system in my experience. And it just leads to a lot more overhead and um, fan noise for, for basically no benefit. Plus, the one thing I have noticed, if you use something like um, like Django and you have you know a, a command line interface that you can use to that tool, um, Docker, even with the settings configured properly, can still kind of break those tools and you won't be able to utilize the rich tool suite that your software might give you um, in Docker. So I know Docker's even with the the correct TTY settings, uh, the manage commands and the you know debug output on the command line for Django is still very very um, temperamental when you're running in Docker. Whereas on the host, it you know on on your Mac or on you know a Linux machine or Windows or whatever, it is tried and tested to work, and so you know it will work well. So that's it on uh, Docker and how how I use Docker and how I've kind of changed over time of how I use it. Uh, there will probably be a blog post about this, although I'm starting to regret now whenever I say things that I'm promising in the future because this blog post could be you know, tomorrow or it could be apparently six months from now. I, I don't know when. But there might be a blog post about this coming soon, and you can find that on my blog. Uh, if you're interested in the post that went kind of micro-viral uh, last week on my blog, you can check it out at briantrader.com. And if you're interested in my book to learn more about how I launch software and how I think about building software as a business and, um, you know, all kinds of other things related to starting companies and marketing plans and building software and stuff, you can check out my book, Going Indie, A Complete Guide to Becoming an Independent Software Developer. Uh, It's available on Amazon. For anyone who's still wondering, uh, the Kindle version of the book has never been available uh, the book launched, uh, book came out in November, and I had still never been able to figure out why the Kindle book never showed up. Uh, I have finally fixed that problem. It should be rolling out in the next couple days. So if you were holding out for a Kindle ebook copy, uh, it should be on Amazon soon, and there will be a link in the description, uh, or link in the show notes to this podcast, and I will update it when the book actually comes out on Amazon. And finally, if you are in the market for starting up a new project and you want some servers to host it on, uh, I mentioned earlier that I use Linode, and I recommend that you do as well. Uh, if you're looking to you know to run servers yourself, uh, you can use the affiliate link in the show notes to get a hundred dollars sixty day free credit for all new accounts, and you can get started you know messing around with Linode and see if that's the the host for you. Uh, I recommend them in my book. I've liked them a lot. I've used them for many many years. And uh, so, yeah, check them out. Here's to another episode, and let's hope the next one isn't three months away.